Artists' Voices, Life in a Pandemic, is a new series of oral histories from the ESB Centre for the Study of Irish Art at the National Gallery of Ireland. These oral histories were recorded as a series of conversations with artists to document their experiences during the global COVID-19 pandemic. This series is produced with the kind support of ESB, sponsor of the ESB Centre for the Study of Irish Art. This episode of Artists' Voices, Life in a Pandemic, features artist Dorothy Cross in conversation from her home in Connemara, County Galway, on Friday 15th of May 2020. Born in Cork, Dorothy Cross lives and works in Connemara, County Galway. Over the past 40 years, she has developed a critically acclaimed and multidisciplinary art practice that combines elements of sculpture, installation, photography, video and drawing. Her works incorporate a variety of manufactured and natural materials and objects. Some of these are gathered from the land and coastline near her studio and include various animal remains and fragments that have been washed ashore. By combining and juxtaposing disparate objects of diverse symbolic and cultural meanings, Cross's works explore different relationships between living beings and their environment. Cross is represented in many international collections, including Tate, London, the Museum of Fine Arts, Houston, the Irish Museum of Modern Art, and the National Gallery of Ireland. Dorothy generously agreed to talk about her life and work as an artist during the COVID-19 pandemic. Good morning, Dorothy. I'd like to begin by looking back at three particular works of yours that span the last 20 years of your career. Ghost Ship from 1999. This was a large-scale sculptural work comprising a disused lightship moored under Neary Harbour, which you covered in green fluorescent paint, giving the vessel an ethereal ghostly character as it floated in the harbour through the night. Shark Heart Submarine from 2011, which is now in the National Gallery of Ireland's collection and is constructed from an artist's painting easel and a model of a nuclear submarine that contains the preserved heart of a shark. And finally, Hardship from only last year, 2019. This was a performance and film involving the journey of an Irish naval ship carrying musician Lisa Hannigan above deck and a preserved human heart below deck. Each of these works can be interpreted in relation to ideas associated with travel, migration and the preservation and loss of life. But I'm wondering for you, do these works relate to each other in a particular way or personal way that might connect them across time? in their material form or in the themes and issues that you might be speaking to? Yes, um, uh, yes, it's, it's interesting looking back at works and uh, I think inevitably all work one does in one's life connects in some way or one can bring some thread through them. I think those three in particular that you've chosen, Ghost Ship, Shark Heart Submarine and Heart Ship, well, number one, they all have something to do with the sea and the maritime. Uh, ghost ship probably more to do with memory because that ship used to be moored off where we uh, spent time in the summers as children and that was very much about loss because the the light ships that were positioned around Ireland uh, were manned by you know 12 or 14 men and they couldn't move they had no engines and that life has passed and that was life very much to do with my childhood and my father's time uh, so it was about kind of an emptiness and a desire for nature. Shark Heart Submarine 
is an interesting one. It has more to do with art in inverted commas. It, uh, it originated with a plan, an invitation for uh, a public work in a cathedral in Chichester in England, one of these competitions which one sometimes enters and rarely wins. And the idea was to, to get a small single uh, submarine, a one-person submarine from the Second World War, gild it with gold and have a human heart inside it in the middle of the cathedral. So not too um, surprisingly, it didn't get the commission. But sometimes with those kind of ideas, it just triggers off some, I was so impassioned by it. I thought it could be so beautiful. Um, and even people at the time were talking about offering their hearts when they passed away, possibly to be forever held in this reliquary of a submarine in, in a cathedral, which in some sense is a very poetic notion. Uh, but Charcot's submarine is very much about art. On this ancient, well, it's, not, it's, a, it's a 19th century easel that I bought in London that has the, you know, paint splatters on it. So it was used over decades by someone who painted. I, I never paint, but most people parallel painting with art and think it is the kind of epitome and central territory of art making. But in my mind, art is about some explosion of the imagination. So what I did was I had a boat builder build me a model of a submarine. And it's only uh, a meter and a half long and we gilded it with white gold on the outside. And through a lot of kind of um, <laughs> journeys and um, uh, 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 conversations with fishermen, I acquired a heart of a shark. Uh, that had been killed accidentally because I'm very impassioned by sharks. Uh, symbolically, I find them a very, very interesting animal. They're so maligned and we project so much of our own human frailty and fear of mortality onto them. So in the heart of this submarine is the preserved heart of a shark. And for me, it's, it's sitting on the easel in a way incongruously uh, summing up some notion because, because of its miniature size, it looks like a missile. So that explosive nature, when we do encounter a painting or a sculpture or any art, a film or whatever, that kind of explodes our molecules and uh, makes us look at the world in a different way. So I was thrilled at that notion that that piece actually is in the National Gallery because it is about painting as well as about my practice. So then we move on to hardship, which funnily enough, actually the three you've chosen do have very strong relationships. Um, Hardship took three years to do. I had heard about a heart that was in a, a collection in the Pitt Rivers Museum in Oxford. It was found originally in Cork City, where I come from, uh, in a crypt. So I attempted to borrow the heart, knowing that I had been offered uh, a gig on a Navy ship by Mary Hickson, who runs a wonderful festival called Sounds from a Safe Harbor. We encountered a wonderful captain, Brian Fitzgerald, who's second in command in the Irish Navy, who said, yes, we could borrow his ship for an afternoon when it was coming up the River Lee. I recorded Lisa Hannigan singing a few songs about the human heart. She has one in particular where the refrain is your heart, my heart, which is so exquisitely beautiful. And she has a voice like an angel. And she was on deck as the ship moved up river. This piece had resonances of the work the Irish Navy had done over the previous like three or four years, trying to pick up survivors in the Mediterranean. 
but we were all aware that how many survived and were saved, probably 10 times that number of hearts were lying in the bottom of the sea. So it was very much about that. And Lisa, in some ways, represented this kind of leftover kind of phantom presence as she wandered around this extraordinary, big, moving kind of sculptural object, this giant ship, um, which the aesthetic of which is extraordinary. Um, the usage in Ireland, which is very peaceful, you know, they've never shot a gun in warfare, and yet it patrols, it protects, and funnily enough, it's kind of the opposite to what a, a warship was built for, I guess, or maybe not the opposite, but a part of. So for one performance in September last year, the ship sailed up the River Lee. With this heart, finally they agreed to lend it to us down below with the curators holding it in a little box. But it was present. We don't know whose heart it was. We don't know. We presume it was a man. We could have had it genetically tested, but it wasn't permitted. And in some ways, it was more beautiful that we didn't know whose heart it was. Um, and that we could then all identify with this lonely organ, which we all possess in our bodies and which beats, you know, without our noticing every minute of every day, every second until we die. So that piece for me, it's a, the last big work I've done is closest to my own heart. Um, and was only seen maybe by seven or 800 people and the accidental person walking their dog down the River Lee but uh, worked, the weather was perfect, everything worked perfectly. It was one of those big projects, a few of which I've done, ghost ship, I guess, in a way uh, more prolonged and uh, went on for three weeks, but it had a kind of mesmerizing effect on people when it did exist in Dunleary. Um, and uh, it was winter time and it was, it was so beautiful if you, people told me that they encountered it without knowing it was going to be there and thought they were seeing things. And that was, the, that was when it was at its most beautiful. It's interesting that some of the themes you mentioned, travel, migrations of people and objects, our journey through life and death may have a particularly strong resonance in the current environment of the pandemic and the ways in which it has highlighted, I suppose, certain aspects of our own lives. Is this something you have given any thought to recently in terms of how your work might be reinterpreted in the context of how our lives have been recently disrupted and changed? Well, I would hope so, you know, and, and, and some people, you know, ask artists, oh, is this a very creative time? And um, I don't think it is. You know, I'm planting vegetables and, and clearing on my lily pond and um, actually enjoying the time and space for that. Because I think as artists, we're, we're always occupied with um, things like plagues and, um, uh, you know, and mortality. Um, and, you know, what you hear on the internet now is that people are looking at the notion of prayer more. And I think they're more aware of their own mortality. And that, that's not to say that just us artists are all aware of it and the, the man on the street isn't. But I think the world has sped up so much. Uh, and I moved here 22 years ago to the west coast of Ireland to have a place in nature that kept my balance with having to get on an airplane to go to Italy to carve marble or to London to have an exhibition. So I'm not a purist in terms of travel. But I think this the situation feels unreal out here because touch wood, we don't have any cases on, the, on this part of the Connemara coast yet. And the weather has been exquisite. So it's, it's really kind of strange to watch the news and hear about this thing going on in a way. Mm -hmm. um, 
because I live with animals and a, a few um, you know people along the coast and there and it's it, it actually feels like it did when I first came here in the 80s it's so quiet the bird song is louder everybody's saying that um, but I think this thing of making people stop and consider yes their own mortality is no harm because we lost religion through the foulness of, of the, the practices of a lot of, of nasty people um, and I've always felt the loss of that because I think you know religion whatever aspect it, whatever form it takes you know art can be a religion <laughs> and um, uh, I once said to someone who thought it was hilarious doesn't art have a capital A like God <laughs> And um, he, he takes the piss out of me forevermore because of that. But there is something about art being about some kind of uh, excavation and, and um, digging through the unknowing, you know. And uh, with this, this virus, um, I think it's, it's scratched all the surfaces of our skins more than, you know. And we had be, we've been growing these awful skins of... Um, your consumerism and and speed so that's the one thing and actually i think I'm, i don't know if i'm answering your question or whether question but you the also i you know over my my years of living i know that in my early works people were horrified by them they didn't know what i was doing you know and i think maybe uh somebody well with hardship in particular was in september and people felt that piece they, they i think there was a real People were crying on the dock. Uh, and every time I listen to the music, it makes me cry because Lisa's voice is so exquisite. So that piece was very, it was very unified and um, resonated, I think, in a simple way. But in the past, maybe I've done things that have an aspect of kind of brutality. Like I used cow skins. You know, the abattoirs skinned the cows upside down. Most of us wear shoes made of leather, including myself. I don't eat meat anymore. But it is about some physicality that was shocking that i i know looking back i was intentionally trying to shake things up so um you know there are different ways of making art some people want to make calm some people want to shake up and in those days in particular i wanted to shake up because um of the frustration of looking at a world that mightn't consider the beauty and now I'm hoping that we might. But then will we just go back to, you know, the horrifying numbers of airplanes in the sky? I suppose that idea of finding our way through the unknown is something that many of us have found ourselves doing at the moment in that we don't know what the future holds. Not that we ever did, but any sense of certainty and control has been taken away from us. As you say, many people, if they have the time or opportunity, perhaps turning to more simple things, the essentials, things that maybe they do have some sense of control over. Yeah, people will know how a carrot grows now, maybe, because, you know, people were forgetting how a carrot grew. grew. But, uh, uh, you know, I do worry about the younger generation, but before this ever happened, I worried about it. And I was talking to someone the other day about that thing of the, the impossibility of getting lost. And, you know, when I was young, I could go to... Peru and get lost. There was no Lonely Planet guide. There was no uh, internet to book a hotel. Um, and the, the kind of compression of that is terrifying. But I still think art, I think art has the power to explode that. And um, also I think, you know, access. Um, more people might start seeing that, uh, you know, the world, you know, the uh, uh, compression maybe is an interesting word because what had occurred was, 
it was so much about um, commodification of everything. Um, and the art world itself has fallen into that awful trap. Like look at the art fairs, look at the vast amounts of money people are paying for art, ridiculous money laundering. That, and that, before COVID arrived, they were beginning to look at that, I think. But now hopefully it'll shake the art world up and make it more kind of dispersed, if that makes sense. Yes, this pandemic has certainly become a great disruptor of what we think of as everyday life. And, and on that note, could you describe what is a normal day for you in, in a studio, perhaps? Is there, if there is such a thing, what is involved uh, for Dorothy Cross in a normal day of making art? You know, there's very little difference between now and my, 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 there's very little difference, to be honest. You know, I do have a routine. I get up and I, I have my coffee and I feed the horse and I go down to the sea, even if it's lashing rain, because I live right by the sea. Uh, so not much has changed, except I'm more allergic to the computer. So she here speaking on the computer. Um, and, uh, and because I, can't, I was working in Italy and I can't go back. And when I make things over there, I have to be there. So that's kind of stopped. But you know, I, I think it's good. I think it's good to stop. I'm repairing things. You know, I'm, I have time to, to kind of make, make things for people, you know, like almost, you know, that I didn't have before. Um, so that, so other than the, other than that, my routine, and I'm not jumping in the car to drive to Dublin like every second week. So it's it's little changed. And the, but the thing is, we have had exquisite weather. I don't. We've had maybe two drops of rain in six weeks. The, yeah. the earth is like a desert, but it's made the place. You know, I go out my kayak. It, it was like a lake the other day, and the beaches are empty. And so I am spoiled. I realise that I'm privileged. Um, you know, and I speak to friends who aren't sitting by the sea and I realize it's not that easy for a lot of people. But um, for, I, for, for some people, it's a gift and um, for many people, it's not. Um, and I think I was the lucky one that it's a gift. And are you finding you can make work at the moment? I'm actually not trying. I'm not trying to make work. And what I am doing is working with a, a, a woman called Mae Van Austin, who's helping me. We, be, we started going through the ar archives, for want of a better word. And... That's quite interesting because uh, yesterday I looked at the opera Sabbath Mater I did with Opera Theatre Company in 2004 because Prince Street Gallery, because of this online stuff, wanted to show it on their moving image. Yeah. And I had this weird feeling I didn't like it. Well, I, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a really bad document because it was really, I didn't have enough money to document it properly, so it's not good quality. But the sound is good quality. So for, I watched this 30-minute Pergolesi Sabbath Mater yesterday afternoon because I had to. And it was, it was fantastic to have that time to reflect on something that was done yeah. 16 years ago. So, and I get irritated by uh, this kind of, uh, uh, kind of fee feeling that you should be working because we shouldn't necessarily, you know? But in, uh, in the, also the other thing about being an artist is sometimes there's no difference between working and not working. Um, and um, uh, even when I have a big project, I might still go out and dig the gunnera or, you know, uh, cut the grass or plant a tree. Yeah. So I'm not sure there's that much difference in it because I'm not in an urban situation and I live and work in the same place. And as an artist who is interested in many aspects of human psychology and our relationship with our environment and 
and other life forms. Is there anything that has surprised you about uh, how we've dealt with or responded to this situation that we found ourselves in um, relating to the the pandemic and it's either it's global impact or it's uh, impact on a local level? Surprised, I'm surprised. Um, You know, it's funny, I, I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not that surprised by anything. I, there, there was an inevitability. I was having conversations with people at the end of last year, friends of mine who worked and were never off airplanes, saying you have to slow down. So actually, th- there, was, there was no surprise. And, um, and I'm, I, part of me, the, kind of the, the hippie part of me thinks, you know, maybe nature is tripping us up. And I hope that's true. Because um, once the vaccine is found and, and there is more attention to kind of trying to determine vaccines quicker in the future, because more of these things are going to happen. Um, I just hope that, you know, I look at David Attenborough speaking on the, on the television and I sometimes a few, up to a few years ago, I was thinking, oh, God, I wish that poor man had died before all this pollution had happened. Um, and yet this occurring is... It's, it, it's, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to say we deserve it. That's wrong. Because nobody deserves to be separated from their father who's dying in, a, in, a, in an old home. Uh, but nature has been so brutalized. And I've seen it here. I've seen the plastic accumulate. You know, I've seen um, dolphins coming up strangled by ropes. You know, it's, it, so it, it's terribly important as animals ourselves that we, we kind of we, we consider in a 360 degree way so you know yes human nature is showing its good side um, and I hope that that wins that that floats to the surface um, and that we see you know it is about as you said earlier our own vulnerability um, and our own kind of reflect upon our own sure um, but that's been a bit of a struggle for the past few years anyway, I've found in terms of going to the supermarket and things covered in plastic, you know, or go, like I, when I once went to an art fair years ago, somebody, this woman screamed at me across the art fair, get out of here. It's a meat market. Like that was 10 years ago. That was 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah. You know, so, and you know, so we have to be responsible for how our art is seen. You know, that's why when Mary Hickson organized the ship to come up the river Lee, Somehow that was there. People could encounter it when they were walking their dog. There was something magic. But also there was something, and a bit like Stab of Matter too, that I was saying to a friend last night. So few people saw those things. Um, um, and yet that maybe there's something precious in those so few people seeing mm. something. Um, uh, and there's, uh, things don't all have to be all over the place on the internet. And that it, it kind of reverberates, it ripples out in a way from something that is simple. It's not simple to, to do, I can tell you, but uh, when it actually happens, it feels terribly simple. It, if I could ask one final question, um, it's obviously a very difficult and traumatic and uh, uncertain time for many people at the moment. That where do you personally find or see hope for the future? And both in terms of where we might be and also what we might take with us from this experience or that you've learned from this experience? Questioning our, our every step we take on, on the earth. I think that's it in relationship to everything. 
Yeah. Not running in to buy a pair of shoes that you're going to throw away after one wear. All that stuff. Um, and, you know, like the, our government should be rushing and they should be green immediately with all this um, cutting down of emissions. And, you know, I, I can't believe they're not. And then compensate backwards for the people who need compensation. Um, so, you know, we have to live in hope, but, you know, I don't know. And are you working on anything yourself at the moment for any future projects? I, I have another ship project up my, and I would adore to do it. Uh, and it's going to be terribly difficult. And, um, but yeah, I'd love to do the ship project. And then I am, you know, when, when Italy opens up, they're talking to me, they're phoning me in Carrara and they had such a hard time in Italy, but I can't go back there for a while. But uh, yeah, I'll continue working with those guys. They're fabulous. You know, I make models and then they carve the marble and it's an extraordinary place it's it's like going into a kind of a theater opera set but um but the ship project that is in my heart i really really hope will happen this conversation with artist dorothy cross from her home in connemara county galway was recorded on the 15th of may 2020 through a video call with donald mcguire curator of the esb center for the study of irish art at the national gallery of ireland